Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. On today's episode, Pastor Lance Hahn and I are going to try to sort through some of the biggest news stories of the last couple of weeks between the death of Chadwick Boseman, uh, protests in the sports world, and civil unrest at different places throughout the country. There is a lot going on in the world. We're going to try to make some sense of it and talk through how we as Christians can can think through uh, these challenging times that we're in. All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 6 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Pastor Brian here with you as well, along with Pastor Lance. Lance, how's it going? I'm doing good, doing good. I'm obviously overwhelmed by all the stuff going on in the news, but yes, I'm doing good. Yeah. Hey, you know, why not discuss all of it publicly since it all feels very overwhelming, right? <laughs> right. Um, totally. So this is this is a different episode than we've had in a while uh, in that uh, I think you and I are actually about 15 feet apart right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now there are two walls separating us, but we are actually right. on campus in our offices today, uh, which, you know, yeah. hey, that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah. It's it's so funny that that's a new thing. <laughs> yes, yes, that used to be was, our normal. Yeah. Well, and that was. I mean, I remember when I would come to campus because, like most people, doing all this work from home. I remember when I would first start coming back to campus occasionally. It was like it was almost weird how weird it felt. Like, wait, I used to come here like almost every day, and now yeah. here we are. But um, okay, so on this episode, as I said in the open. Man, there's just there's just so much that's that's going on, and yeah. and I know that that you I mean you alluded to it a minute ago. I mean you and I we're we're human beings. We're kind of overwhelmed by a lot of this stuff, just like just like so many others are. And there's so much going on that is concerning. There's so much going on that's sad. Uh, there's a lot going on that is interesting, and we're going to talk about some of that uh, as well. And man, I think that you know just a, a passion that you and I share is is as Christians ourselves being healthy and thinking through things in a healthy manner and, and then also encouraging and training others to do that as well. So I, I think, you know, our, part of our hope is to the best of our ability to try to process through some of these extremely challenging and complex issues going on in the news right now in a healthier manner that'll help us right. maybe be, I mean, I think about the words of first Peter uh, where he talks about being sober minded, right? That that's right. ultimately what we want to do. Can you just, before we get into, and again, we got a whole, whole slew of things we're going to talk about. Why is, why is sort of being sober minded and being sort having sort of a sense of calm about us? Why is that important in terms of just our lives as Christians? And then in terms of our, our public witness, the way that the world perceives us, why are those, why is that a big deal? Yeah, I think the first piece about it is that you can still hear God. Um, when you are uh, running all over the place or reacting, if you live in reaction, then you're not living on purpose. And I think yeah. that sober-mindedness means that you're in control of your faculties and that you're able to keep one ear towards God while looking out into the world to navigate. And I think that when other people see that you are a, you know, like running around like a chicken with their head cut off, there is a lack of respect so that when you do get into issues and you start talking about the Lord, uh, they don't take you as seriously. If you say things yeah. like, I do believe the Lord is returning, they just consider you an alarmist because you were alarmed by everything. You were alarmed yeah. about whatever was on the news that day. And I think this is something that the Christian, that Christians don't take seriously enough. They want to have all their own opinions and reactions, but then when it comes to Jesus, 
They want everyone to pay attention to them and take them seriously. And not recognizing all of your other activity and behavior feeds into your testimony on whether or not people want to listen to you. So, I mean, that would be my thought. Were you thinking something other than that? Yeah. No, I was thinking, along, I, I think it's sort of a, I would completely agree with what you said. And it's almost like uh, to sort of say what you said in, in different words. It's like we we want to be able to be divisive like everybody else and then expect people yeah. to listen to us when we say something unifying, uh, you know, about about the Lord. Uh, it was funny, even I, I was having a conversation with with a friend of mine this weekend at church uh, who, who you know very well. And um, and who I know very well, I've known for a lot of years. He and I think very differently on a lot of issues, and he tends to be very sort of vocal on social media and all that about his his opinions. And I just I challenged him. I said, "Hey, man, uh, I said you and I are not gonna." are not going to agree on a lot of stuff and that's, that's fine. And again, we've been friends for years. Uh, but I said, man, here's my challenge to you in terms of how you engage online. If somebody who thought different than you on these political issues and things like that, if somebody who thought differently than you saw what you wrote and then knew you were affiliated with Bridgeway, would they think, man, that's probably a place where I'd be welcome. And if the right. answer to that is no, Man, you really got to think about uh, you got you really got to think about what what you're saying if it's really worth it, and you know <laughs> whether he takes that to heart or not. And man, that's advice that I need as well, right? Like I need yeah. to you know be able to follow that. So, but no, I think yeah, you, for you, sure, right? Yeah. So yeah. okay, so let's talk through again. A lot of stuff going on. We're going to kind of uh, move from like least controversial to most controversial <laughs> through the course of the yeah. hour here. Uh, but the first story is is super sad, and that is. Uh, the death of Chadwick Boseman, who uh, is known probably most from his role in Black Panther, also starred in the Jackie Robinson uh, movie 42 and a number of other different uh, different movies. His death came as a shock to a lot of people. Uh, Lance, you're a movie guy. Talk about uh, what his films maybe have meant to you and maybe talk about why, why did we all find his death so shocking and why has it created the outpouring that it has? Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple reasons to that. First one, by the way, um, I was having dinner with another couple on Friday evening, and my daughter, who had a friend over, came running downstairs, and and I could hear him going, "Dad, Dad, Dad!" on the way down. Now, this is not a common occurrence. We don't have that much <laughs> drama in our house, uh, and I was like, I have no idea what they're doing right now. And she said, Chadwick Boseman died. And just interrupted the the meal, and she was super like thrown. Now yeah. we are. I'm a big superhero fan, and we've all loved uh, Black Panther, and we we all watched 42. But um, there's a couple reasons why I think it was a big deal. On the most surface level, I think it was very similar to the Kobe Bryant death, which was this is a person that you kind of put out of your mind as them being in danger or threat. They were still young. Uh, in your opinion, they were healthy and vivacious and to lose them was kind of a gut punch because you went, no, that's, that's not the next person that's supposed to die. Um, I, I don't know anyone personally that knew that he was sick. And so I feel like it came out of the blue um, because if you have colon cancer, and once again, uh, my mom uh, went through colon cancer when I was 14 years old, uh, she had to go through a major surgery and she could have died. And I remember that process. And it's very severe. So to be able to not know that somebody is that sick and you're that big of a public figure is very unusual. Most people are living out loud. So I think the sheer shock of it because of his age, because nobody knew that, 
I think all that is the surface reason why it was a big deal. And you mentioned, what was the stat about the, the um, likes? What was that stat you oh, just said? Yeah, so the, the, the tweet that I'm pretty sure came from his, his official account announcing his death and sort of as a tribute to him was the most liked tweet on Twitter ever. Uh, which just shows you something yeah. of the public reaction to his his. There have been a lot of tweets, in case you didn't know that. Uh, so yeah. that's uh, yeah, you know that yeah. that's a pretty significant milestone. Yeah. Now let me go to the the next level down, which is really uh, impactful to a lot of people, and that is that he is a black man, and he was involved in some key movies that dealt with African American issues. So. Uh, I think the Jackie Robinson story was the obvious. I don't know if you did not see the movie Black Panther because you're not really a superhero person or that's just kind of dumb to you. Um, it was heavily uh, laced with comments about social issues. As a matter of fact, it was very much um, encouraging of trying to empower African-Americans and to really talk through some of the challenges that not only they've been going through, but also kind of a way of talking about, here's us talking about ourselves and yep. sorting through some pieces. That was very, very deep as a social film, even underneath all that other stuff. So for him to pass away, being known for a movie like that at a season like this, where there is so much protesting, the Jacob Blake shooting, all these different pieces, um, there's so much social unrest and you were like, well, he was one of the champions and now he's gone. I think in as much as we don't want to admit to this, we really do believe that actors are their characters. Like it, uh, <laughs> yeah. we, I, I literally would trust Harrison Ford as the president <laughs> of the United States because he was on air force one. He survived air force one. He's already done yeah. it. And he survived an assassination attempt, so we should trust him. You know, I mean, it's just silly oh. stuff like that. But but really, the idea that he was a visual empowerment person in his movies really attached to him. So I think the loss this time is a big deal. Yeah. No, I think you're completely correct. And I think it uh, it shows the influence of a movie like Black Panther uh, that even I saw it. Yes, I who go to the movies uh, about once every never and yeah. am very supportive of others being into superhero. Like, I don't think it's dumb. Like it's just something that people like, and that's great. I'm very supportive of it, right. but it is, I, you know, I just learned recently how many different, you know, Avengers movies there are. And I'm like, wow, I oh. have not been tracking on that. Um, but I knew <laughs> about a lot of the themes of, of Black Panther and, and, and the social yeah. issues that was a, that were addressed. And, and, I, and I gravitate towards that. So, uh, so I have seen that and I was deeply moved by it. Uh, and then I've seen the Jackie Robinson film, uh, 42 as well. Even though I'm not a big baseball guy, I've always been a huge fan of Jackie Robinson and his story is, is yeah. deeply moving to me. And, and I think you're right that because he played um, – that Black Panther role where he was this larger than life figure. Yeah. Uh, you're right. You're completely correct that we view these, these, these individuals as their characters. And, and I think that does, it increases the sense of emotion at his passing. But, and then also I think the, the other side of this is to know that he was suffering for as long as he was, and yet released such incredible, beautiful art into the world. I mean, Black Panther is an extraordinary accomplishment for a perfectly healthy person. 
to play that role and to do the things that he did, to, to know that he was suffering that much and yet was able to do the things that he did, it, it's extraordinary to me. And, and to me only sort of adds to the legend of, of who he is and, and what an extraordinary, extraordinary talent. And by all accounts from everything I'm reading, just what an extraordinary person he was as well. Yeah. 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 No, well said. Yeah. Well said. So, okay. So our next, our next topic as we're again, working our way through headlines from the last couple of weeks is it has been a wild last week or so in the world of sports. So uh, obviously there has been sort of an increasing sense of protest in the sports world in the last couple of years. A lot of it started with Colin Kaepernick four years ago as he was uh, taking a knee for the national anthem. And and while athletes have been activists for, for a long time, that's nothing new. There certainly has been an uptick in it recently. And it's been it's been interesting to observe. I mean, those that know me know that I that I love sports, so I, I pay a lot of attention to this stuff. Uh, it's been interesting, even as Major League Soccer came back and players and referees took a knee before games as sort of a sign of solidarity. Everyone's wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, the whole the whole bit. Um, and then the NBA came back in their bubble situation in Florida, and there's Black Lives Matter on the court. Players have social justice messages on their jerseys, and and everybody's kneeling for the national anthem. There's all this uh, all this activism going on. Um, it's been an interesting it's been interesting to to note that increase. But now with the latest situation with the shooting of Jacob Blake, that was just accelerated. Uh, now you and I were talking before this about some ways that uh, and we'll talk into we'll talk about specifically what the NBA was doing in, in a minute here. Well, I guess I'll, I'll just say this: everything kind of came to a head this last Wednesday when the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic were supposed to play a game and the Milwaukee Bucks did not come out onto the floor. They said they're not going to play as, a as an act of protest for you know, what was going on uh, in our country. And it was interesting that here all these NBA players, who many of them are very active in terms of social issues, are in this bubble situation now, and now they're refusing to play and games are getting games are getting canceled. There were some ways, Lance, we were talking about how them all being together was helpful in terms of them coordinating their message, but also challenging as well. Can, can you talk us through a little bit of that? Yeah, I think that, um, so first of all, when you're all together, and I don't think people understand fully how small that bubble really is. They keep it locked down very, very tightly to where they're only allowed maybe a person from their family and whoever's in the bubble kind of stays in the bubble and they're not allowed to go out. And so they only have each other all the time. They're being tested every day. So it's very close. Well, when you have that, all of a sudden, if they were all in different parts of the country, people would have reacted differently to the scenario and they would have had their own locker room conversations. This ended up being everyone talking about it all at the same time in a pressure cooker environment. And so even people that would have been normally on the fringe got drawn in immediately. Now all of a sudden there's all kinds of peer pressures about you're canceling our games while well, you're not standing up for what's right and everything got pressure packed. And so the other thing that is interesting about the timing of it all is in a normal year, these sports are spread out. You don't have baseball at the same time that you have basketball, which is the same time you have training camp for football, which is the same time you have MLS. You know understand what I'm saying? And so like when the Giants, when they came out first on the field and their coach knelt uh, along with the rest of the San Francisco Giants, and it was like uh, there, there was so much 
there's been so much intensity through sports, but specifically in that bubble, I think it was even more intense than probably anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And, and I think that certainly a big part of the frustration was for a lot of these players was, again, these are, these are guys who are very active in their communities who are trying to do yep. good. that are trying to affect positive change. And, and they're going, man, I can't like, I, I think it's a different situation if, on off days between games, which I get it, it's the playoffs and it might seem crazy that they would even be doing this. But if on off days, these guys are working at, you know, to, to promote voter registration and these, these causes yeah. that they're so passionate about, if they're actually on the ground in their communities doing these things, but instead they're like, yeah. well, I'm stuck here in Disney World with my Nintendo Switch and a foosball table. Like, I think that increased the sense of frustration that these guys are going, man, I can't even do anything. I can't actually yeah. affect change. And I have to, I have to assume that only heightened their level of frustration to go, you know what, listen, these things are happening in our world and we need to do something. And the best thing we feel like we can do is step off the court right now and, and not go out there. Yeah. And I, and there's a couple of things I don't think everybody recognizes. One of them is that being a, an athlete that's paid that much, comes with some unusual baggage. And one of those things is there's an expectation that because you're publicly rich, now there's a lot of people that are rich and not everybody knows they're rich. Then there's yep. people who are touted as being rich. They receive constant onslaughts of demands that, um, that, that they're constantly being told, you have to use your money this way and you have to do this in the public. So they're actually encouraged to do things in the public that gets them looped into this idea of I'm going to do activism in my, in my area. Then they start caring about their area really deeply. Well, then all of a sudden now a bunch of stuff was going on and they were not at home and that allowed them to feel kind of impotent to be able to bring change. And then all of a sudden they were able to impact that. Um, yeah. The, yeah. And then anyway, I totally forgot my other point. <laughs> well, right think, out of my head. Okay. Well, hey, there you go. Well, I, and I think it's interesting to see um, the the extent to which the sports world has embraced a lot of the social justice challenges of yeah. of our time. And you know, you you made a, an important point where you said normally these sports aren't, aren't all going on at the same time, but it's it is significant to me that all of these players and all of these coaches and all of these different sports are actively promoting black lives matter, you know, or you've got, uh, you know, last night I just caught the very end. I like tennis. I'm a former tennis player and the U S open just started and caught the end of a match and, uh, the winning player, they were interviewing her and she was wearing a mask with Brianna Taylor's name on it. That, that, that athletes are, are really seeking to move these messages forward. And it's important to, to point out just real quick, uh, that, that black lives matter, the organization is different than black lives matter. The movement, yeah. uh, black lives matter, the organization, I'm sure you, I don't know that there'd be any point to this, but you and I could do a podcast talking about many, right. many problems with the organization. So we're not endorsing right. that, but the, the movement that is seeking yeah. you know positive social change, that's, that's different. And I'll tell you one thing that I, I appreciate as a, as a sports fan, and then more importantly, as a sports fan who is a dad who watches sports with his kids, is um, <laughs> I will preface this by saying I have no illusions about all of these athletes just being saints in every walk of life, right? <laughs> um, but 
I try to highlight for my kids and point out to yeah. them athletes who are doing positive things, uh, yeah. athletes who are seeking to use their platform for good. And so I'll do that even with like a player like a LeBron James, who I, I don't know his spiritual state. I haven't seen anything that would imply he's a Christian. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But he is somebody who, even though I'm not a fan, I've never been a fan of his teams and I've never rooted for him. He is somebody who, by and large, uh, has used his platform to do a lot of good. But what I also yeah. really like to highlight for my kids is Christian athletes who are right. who are motivated by their faith to be a part of, of seeking, you know, social justice and pursuing these causes. Like I look at uh, a guy like Harrison Barnes, who's right here uh, with the Sacramento Kings, who is very outspoken about his faith, talks about the Lord all the time in his interviews, on Instagram and all of this other stuff. And he's talking about donating money to racial justice causes for every game he plays uh, in the bubble. Um, I think about guys like Aaron Holiday, who uh, extra he's he's a he's a basketball player, he's a Christian, and he's a UCLA guy, so he's got a lot of stuff going for him. Uh, I think of him <laughs> and his wife Lauren, who is a who so uh, or sorry, I said Aaron, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is black. Uh, Lauren Holiday is white. They're married, both professional athletes, and how much they've done to speak out for these you know justice causes. And then even I point out, uh, you know, my kids know like they'll watch for athletes who are who are outspoken about you know about. Black Lives Matter and things like that. And they'll point it out and they'll notice it. Um, and I think it's even better to see Christian athletes who are Caucasian, like uh, Kyle Korver, who's a uh, who's a, a significant NBA player, or Clayton Kershaw, who, again, we don't watch baseball, but uh, he's a star pitcher for the Dodgers. I'm, I'm inspired and I'm appreciative of the fact that there are uh, there are men and women in the sports arena who are saying, because of my faith in Christ, these things matter. Uh, that to me is encouraging and is really important. Yeah, uh, the a lot of sports don't have a lot of longevity um, <laughs> as far as how long you can be in that sport. Um, so, for example, football is really short, um, yeah. and then basketball is a little bit longer. Uh, along with soccer is pretty rough on that one, uh, unless you're Lionel Messi, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> Uh, and then baseball goes a little bit longer. But the reason why I highlight this out is that when you don't have a lot of time yeah. and this is your time to make money, but you're willing to put something on hold because this matters so much. They didn't know if this was going to cancel the entire season of the NBA. They didn't right. know if this was going to cancel a lot of different things. So we look back at it and go, oh, it was a blip because they ended up having a meeting and they were all in agreement and they were able to move forward. They didn't know that. So you have young men in these professional sports, unless it's WNBA, young women, where yeah. they're trying to make these huge decisions and some of them came from extreme poverty and this was the only time they've made money. Yeah. And they're, everyone is looking after them for something. And now people are trying to put on hold and they're having them go on strike. And I mean, all the demands and pressures are really intense. So I just yeah. have a lot of respect. Uh, I, people that are just normal folks day to day are not doing this big of a deal. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I really am proud of whenever somebody puts themselves on the back burner for someone else. Uh, yeah. To me, that's, that's pretty heroic. 
Yeah, I was reading, there was a great article in, in Christianity Today. It just came out yesterday. And the headline is, Black Christians Play a Crucial Role in Athlete Activism. Uh, and it was a really neat article. And it highlighted a number of the, the people that I've, I've referenced already. But I, I do think, you know, to your point, Lance, these, these, these folks have a very short window to, to make a lot of money. And, and yeah. I agree with you that to, to, to potentially jeopardize that, uh, for the sake of a cause they care about is is inspiring to me. Uh, and I would even go so far as to say, even if I don't agree with the cause, like the fact that they care enough to sacrifice themselves for it, right. I might say, man, I think that cause is bogus. I can at least respect the sacrifice right. that, that goes into it. Now, in this case, I'm supportive of the cause. But then I think you look like it's one thing, you know, you look at a guy, uh, a guy like a Steph Curry, who has been, uh, you know, the Warriors are like had a down year this year because he and a bunch of guys were hurt. So he's not in the bubble, but he's been very active and he's been very outspoken. Another another Christian guy. Um, I happened upon a thing that showed NBA top NBA salaries. And I think Steph is due to make like 40 million bucks next year. So he's doing just fine financially. Right. Um, I think it says even more when you look at like players in the WNBA where salaries aren't even yeah. close to what they are. Uh, and a player like Amaya Moore, who's referenced in the article I talked about, she is a, she's a star basketball player. She's a Christian. Uh, she says her life's purpose is to know Jesus and make him known. And she full on has stepped away from basketball altogether to say, I'm going to commit myself to the work of, of racial justice. And I think that like that to me is like, man, that's a whole yeah. other level of, cause I think, and you know, we're here's, we're recording live. People are commenting in the commenting in the comments here. Like, okay, these people are all rich. And it's like, yes, that's true. They're rich. Mm -hmm. I still think they're making a sacrifice and using their platform for good, but I will be the first to agree. Like it's one thing if you're like, man, I, I've made 40 million bucks. I don't have to work a day the rest of my life. It's another thing when you're like, man, I, I need a job to keep my life moving and you're still willing right. to sacrifice like hundred percent. That's a, those are, those are not the same. Um, but yeah. I think, I think, you know, broadly speaking, um, you know, I, I just think that as a, as a sports fan, Christian, who cares very deeply about issues of justice and particularly racial justice, I, um, man, I'm just, I'm inspired by what is happening in the sports world. Is the sports world perfect? No. Is the NBA, I think the NBA does better than most leagues. Uh, they've done horrible with China. Like the NBA is not perfect. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that they are, but I'm, I'm inspired by the way that a lot of these athletes are using their platform for good. And, and I really hope that that only, that that only continues. And the fact that, that a lot of these folks are people of faith is just, it's all the, all the better. Yeah, no, I agree with you, buddy. Yeah. So, okay. So now we're going to move in, uh, talking about some, some, again, going from less controversial to more controversial. There are a lot of people in our country right now who are very worried. And I think for good reason, uh, about a lot of the social unrest that we're seeing in different places around the country. Uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, where there was the Jacob, Bla Jacob Blake shooting. And then following that, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, 17 year old, uh, shot and killed, shot and killed two people. Uh, we have Portland, Oregon, where there have been significant protests. There has been looting, there has been vandalism, uh, and then some counter protesting occurred and, uh, and a person was shot and killed. Um, there, I mean, this is just, there's just, this is a lot and people are, are, are concerned. And 
Can you just maybe I'll, I'm going to throw I'm going to make I'm going to give you the hard job here, Lance. Can you just start to can you sort of walk us through a little bit? And I know there are a ton of details of these situations that we don't have. Um, how should we start to think about these things as Christians? And, and what are some principles maybe that we need to bring into this conversation to try to be, I don't know, people who promote uh, healing and justice as opposed to kind of stoking the, the division and the anger that we're seeing in our world right now? Yeah. So everybody that is involved in all these situations feels self-justified. So yeah. if you feel self-justified, it doesn't actually mark you out as anything different from anybody else. Um, so there's a couple things that I would encourage. One of them that really is bothering me right now is there's a big move in Christianity um, where it's talking about when things get worse, there's this attitude of stockpile weapons. Uh, it's really bothers me. Now you have to understand, I'm a gun owner. I enjoy weaponry. I, I have all that. I get that. As a gun guy, I'm telling you, it's really bothersome to me because here, here's the concerns that I have about it. They're like, oh, well, it could get worse in unrest. Right. So what, you're just going to shoot everybody? Like that, <laughs> at, at what point is that a good idea? And yeah. what is it because they're coming to your house? Here's the problem is that you had Kyle Rittenhouse. He went out there to go right. do this. It, this was not an attack on his own homestead. Oh, well, the owner of the business called for people to protect his business. It doesn't matter. We're, we're actively going out there and shooting people. Oh, well, he was under threat. What was he doing there in the first place? Right. So there, there's all these concerns that I have where you have, Christians answers. And once again, I'm a gun guy that <laughs> right. the Christian answers is stockpiling more weapons and saying, Oh, we just need to get more ammo for, for what, at what point is that the role of the church to just start eliminating people? Like that's not, that's not the, that's not the point. So I want us to begin to think, first of all, if you're watching or listening to inflammatory stuff, it's going to stoke the fire. And you usually do stupid things when you're really, really mad. Why are we allowing things to get us so mad? Uh, are there going to be people that are willing to be activists that are going to take over Portland and take over Seattle and take over Santa Cruz and take over? Yes, there are. Are we supposed to be allowing those actions to make us inappropriate or irresponsible? The answer to that is no, absolutely not. Right. I think that we have a duty to pray. It's interesting. The Bible says, Pray for your nation and your leaders that it may go well for you. If things aren't going well for us in America, part of that is on the church to be praying blessing into it. Now, here's the yeah. part that needs to be navigated, in my opinion, best. And that is what we don't need is calm because calm doesn't bring change. What we don't need is violence because violence doesn't bring good change. So somewhere in that middle ground, we have to be able to say, we're not just trying to get pray for everyone to be calm because yeah. there's certain things that we shouldn't be calm about. In the yeah. same way, we can't be constantly uh, okay with, with stirring the flames. And because when our nation, why should we have to be uncomfortable and nervous about a coming election? Uh, what, uh, I've spent all my life growing up and hearing about other nations, nations I don't want to live in, that right. have violence and protests over their elections. I would never move there. 
I don't want my nation to be like that. I don't yeah. want America to where every time there's an election cycle, I have to be nervous about whether or not my kids are out on the street. This is right. not this is not what we're supposed to be about. And so for the Christians, you have to remember, we're called to be peacemakers. Blessed yep. are the peacemakers. Peacemakers have to create some agitation to, to calm it down. But ultimately, peace is the goal. Right. If your goal, whatever your goal is, is not in alignment with the Lord, you need to re-rack because right. it is not okay. And your attitudes are permeating the people around you and the people online. So we've got to be a truth-telling, peacemaking agency. And it doesn't mean that we're not involved. It doesn't mean that we're not concerned. It doesn't mean that we're not fired up. It means that we are wise. That's yeah. a big, big difference. Yeah. Well, and I, I appreciate what you said about how, well, a lot, I mean, I, I agree with all that. And I think that this idea that, oh, well, well, why can't we just be calm? Um, I, I think it's important to recognize that when we say that, we're saying that from a place of extraordinary privilege. Um, it is easy for me to say everyone just needs to calm down if my life is fine. Right. right. If I'm not, if I'm not personally the victim of yeah. the things that people are protesting, it is very easy for me to say, man, I'm, everyone just, just calm down. And, and, and I think often what happens is we will see acts of, of violence, which I am 100% not defending. Uh, we will see these sorts of extreme behaviors and see, well, and then what we'll do is we'll say, well, look, everybody who is protesting is like this and we all just need to, everything just needs to stop. And, and that's simply not true. It's important to recognize uh, that looting and protesting are very different things. Uh, right. That standing up for what you believe in and vigilante justice are very different things. And, yeah. and, and I think that, uh, when we allow ourselves to be so controlled by anger and tribalism and all of these types of negative emotions, man, it just leads us into all sorts of all sorts of chaos. And 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 let's just let's just rip the bandaid off here and go full uh, dealing with some of the controversial elements as well, because this is this is something that is is deeply disturbing to me. And and I'm, I feel like I've been pretty open about this at different times in the past. Like I'm really not for violence. So like violence in the name of any ideology really bothers me. And it's not that hard for me to condemn any sort of violence. Um, it is deeply disturbing to me that there is such a political bent to a lot of this, that yeah. either we're outraged about Kenosha or we're outraged about Portland, depending on our political ideology. Um, is it even possible, Lance, for Christians to transcend that a little bit. And I ask that knowing full well that tons of Christians have, have bought into sort of the political angle to a lot of this. Yeah, um, so I, I think I've been vocal about this as well, uh, especially on this program. I think you and I have both been very, very vocal about concerns, but I was telling someone the other day, they were asking me about ministry. And I said, the first, um, I'd say, let's say I've been in ministry now 23 years here at Bridgeway. I would say that the first uh, 15 years, my number one problem in church for why people didn't grow in the Lord and why they were not following the Lord was busyness. That was my number one challenge. The last eight has been politics. 
politics has completely wrecked the church. Um, it, it, it's because people are no longer about issues about what is right. They're about yeah. defending a particular party. And uh, once again, I don't want to keep beating the same drum, but I, I'm just telling you, it is completely ruined. It's not only ruined our witness, but it's ruined our effectiveness. And so is there a way to transcend it? I would suggest to you that any Christian that is not transcending it is not ultimately acting Christian because yeah. our leaders are not in a political party. Our leader is Jesus Christ, which means he is issues based. He is human based. He is God based. And so what that means is, is that we have to look at what his priority list is, whether it does or does not align with a particular political party. And so we need to select leaders that are based on him, whether they're a part of a particular party. And so what we're looking for is righteousness and goodness, no matter where we're going to find it. And so for me, a Christian has to be drawn to and elevated above. You know, it talks about, uh, I remember the first time as a child, uh, I flew in a rainstorm. And we got above the cloud layer and there was no rain. And I remember yeah. that being such a shocking concept because I figured it must be raining everywhere. And it wasn't. There was a layer of which the cloud layer, once you're above that, there was clear, sunny skies. That's where Jesus dwells. And so when we're caught up down here, we have to yeah. do the work down here. But our heads need to be in the game up there so that we're being much more elevated above these conversations and not being, you know, going back yeah. and forth and to and fro based upon what our political parties do. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. 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 No, you're absolutely right. And I, and I think, you know, with that, um, there are, there are many, many reasons why I think political parties are extremely toxic. Uh, and, and we, I could, I could bore you forever with all of those reasons, but one that I will, I will highlight that is especially important for Christians is that my overwhelming life experience is that loyalty to a political party breeds inconsistency. Um, like I'll give you just sort of a, 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 like, this is like low hanging fruit. It's so easy. It's like easy to sort of make fun of is that you've got, um, there are a ton of people who don't like Gavin Newsom. Right. And that's fine. Like there are, I think, perfectly legitimate reasons to not like Gavin Newsom. I have no issue with people not liking Gavin Newsom. And, you know, there, you, you see all these like recall the governor things and things like that. People are so like, man, we got to get this guy out and everything else. But then if you like criticize President Trump, it's, oh, you've got Trump drain, derangement syndrome or, if, oh, you don't like this country. Why don't you just leave it or everything else? And it's like, well, now wait a second. <laughs> like I realize most people that like Trump don't like Newsom and most people that like you get it, it you know. There are very few people that are like, I love both of those guys. But it's amazing to me how you can be so like strongly in favor of, you know, opposing a leader, making all these good reasons why you should oppose the leader. And then if people oppose a leader that you like, your response is, is not to like rationally deal with the arguments. <laughs> the response is like, oh, well, you're just un-American and why do you hate the country? And, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, Okay, are you hearing yourself here? <laughs> like that is that is that is such profound inconsistency, and and the world sees that, right? The the world sees that and sees our inconsistency, and that reflects you know poorly on us when it comes to uh, when it comes to our faith. And I think as we're dealing with the the violence that we're seeing in our country right now, um, I don't have to choose between believing it was wrong that a 
a pro-Trump individual who had come into Portland and was part of a group of people shooting paintballs and everything else. I don't have to choose between believing it was wrong that that person was shot and killed and choosing to believe that it was wrong for Kyle Rittenhouse to shoot and kill people in Wisconsin. Like those were both wrong. Now there are nuances to those situations. I recognize that, but this sort of violence, whether it is in the name of the far right or the far left or the middle or anything is highly problematic, is highly destructive. And, and I think when we as Christians are willing to sort of defend one while we condemn the other, again, I'm not saying the situations are the same, then that just shows that we, I, it shows that we lack consistency. And then when we try to talk to the world about man, look at Jesus and he is the way, the truth and the light. And we're getting so influenced by these things. I I don't blame the world for not wanting to listen to us. It's like, I don't want to listen to those voices either. So it's just, it, man, it's, it's tough. And I, and I say that recognizing that a lot of this stuff is really scary and it can be hard for us to navigate. Um, One thing I want to add, and then I want to talk a little bit about the Jacob Blake situation, but one thing I want to add, and this is not in disagreement at all, with you, Pastor Brian, it's to make a point. Yep. And it's that it's that I am not as anti-violence as you are. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a person that, for example, I am pro-necessary war. I am right. pro, you know, there's a bunch of different things. I'm pro-military, yeah. I'm pro-police and stuff like that. And so in saying that, I'm a guy who understands where appropriate violence is, where, where other violence is not. And I'm horrified by the actions that are going on in America. So meaning it's not like I'm just horrified because it happens to be in that subject matter. I'm telling you because there's such a lack of wisdom and there's such a being led by our passions. That's the stuff that just really bothers me. And so I'm so disappointed in how we're operating right now as a nation. And that is as one of those guys. Um, So I want to, you know, once again, if you guys listen to my Thought Revolution uh, with Lance Hahn podcast, you know I've really kind of dialed into this phrase, the radical middle. Yeah. And I need to talk about something in the case of Jacob Blake um, that's a bit of a radical middle concept, which is going to draw heat from both sides, and it's also going to bring peace to both sides. But I yeah. believe that it, it is true. And that is this. The more I'm learning about the Jacob Blake situation, I'm seeing significant errors on both sides. So there's two things that are simultaneously happening. Number one, I'm going to condemn the shooting of it because every every evidence that we have right now is a man was shot seven times in the back. Um, that is going to be unacceptable every time. You can talk to any police officer and they're going to say that is not proper procedure and that, that officer blew it. Okay, uh, so I'm going to condemn it. And I'm going to condemn the fact that a man is now paralyzed and his life is ruined. I'm also going to condemn the idea uh, that people are not aware of how police officers have to interact and how they have to do their jobs. Mm -hmm. And we ended up having from the evidence that I've seen. And once again, I could be wrong here, so I need to be very cautious. But from the evidence I've seen, there was an attempted taser. There was a bunch of different things that were going on. And there was a refusal to engage with the officers appropriately. That is going to always make officers do poor things. And it's going to push the scenario. And, and for the sake of safety in America, 
I need everyone to look at a bigger picture of what's going on. What is healthy and what is best? I know how you feel in the moment. As an officer, you're going to be really upset. And as someone that's having something perpetrated against them, you're going to be very upset. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be. What I'm saying is we're throwing out wisdom and care and respect and concern for one another, and it's leaving us wounded. And that can only escalate and cause more wounds. And what I yeah. don't want is a more wounded nation. So anyway, yeah. I just needed to draw that out by saying, listen, in the place of the radical middle, trying to seek what Jesus would do and trying to seek what would be right for Jesus. Right. I'm, I'm seeing errors all over the place here. And I'm going, guys, this is not time to dig in our heels. This is for us to weep over a dramatically horrific scenario. And we need to bring about some changes. Yeah. But what it isn't time for is to use it to make you more angry. I don't right. think that that's appropriate. Well, and to, yeah, and to, like you said, it's it's not a time to, to dig in our heels and to to point out all of the problems with people that aren't like us and, and say, man, people, people like, you know, people like me are in the right, or man, we got to stop this because of all these other types of people. And I, and I think also even, even the fact lines that you would highlight um, that there was, that there was, there were various wrongs that were committed in the Jacob Blake situation. And, and we're not saying that all of those wrongs were equal. I'm guessing no. that you would agree with that statement. No, but but at the same time, to recognize, and, and I think that too often in a lot of our dialogue in our society, we have to decide who was right, who was wrong, and that's it. Right. Uh, you take the, um, I mean, man, you look at what's going on in Portland. Am I pro peaceful protest? Uh, yes. Uh, I think given the world we're living in, I am not really supportive of non-socially distanced peaceful protest, but whatever, that's a side point, <laughs> regardless, of the, regardless of the issue. But am I pro right. peaceful protest? Yes. Uh, am I pro looting and vandalism and violence? Uh, absolutely no. not. Right. Uh, do I think it was a good idea for this uh, pro Trump group to get very riled up and drive into Portland and be like, man, we're going to def defend our city? Uh, no, I don't think that was a good idea. Uh, do I think it was OK for them to shoot paintballs at the protesters? Uh, no, I don't know. That was absolutely unacceptable. Uh, do I think it was OK for somebody to fire a firearm back at them and kill somebody? No, I don't. Um, am I saying that all of those things are equally wrong? Of course I'm not. But what I'm saying is, man, I want to be somebody who is driven by a desire to see a more peaceful and and united world. And I want to say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm grieved that people are so angry that they're responding in these ways, regardless of what they believe. Um, I'm yeah. grieved that these things are happening. And, and man, I, I just, for whatever influence I have in the world, I don't want to be somebody who is influencing people towards digging in their heels and throwing right. metaphorical, verbal, or literal rocks at the other side. Man, I want to say, man, how can we humbly say, how am I part of the problem and how can be part of how can I be part of the solution? And to me, that that just feels like, I don't know, the one of the ways that we as Christians can hopefully be a positive witness in these crazy times. Yeah, amen. And and that's the thing is once we stop fighting for um fake sides and we start trying to promote the Lord, things are going to begin to start evening out. I just want us to put a little bit more thought into how we react and how we operate. Uh, yeah. We really should be, this should be our time to shine you guys yeah. as the church. 
And what I'm saying is the church is just as messy and nasty um, as the rest of the world. And uh, I, I really think that we can still bring about appropriate change. We can still handle ourselves with significant uh, power without being yeah. at the exact same level as everybody else. I really think that there's something that's called for differently for Christians. Yep, absolutely. That's very well said. So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up this episode with that and just an encouragement for for all of us, man, in our conversations with neighbors and our conversations online, even in what we're engaging with online. Uh, man, can we be, be people who are promoting peace, who are promoting calm wisdom, uh, who are seeking justice and uh, are, are ultimately following Christ and his example, not the right, not the left, not any of these other sides in our world. And man, let's, I think Lance, what you said, let's make this our time to shine, yeah. not our time to be as panicky as everybody else. So uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Lucian and Brenton who are going to take this and make it look good and sound good. And we'll be back with you uh, in a couple of weeks with another episode of Engaging Culture. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.